Amen. All right. Thank the Lord for that. It's a great song. I'm so thankful for that. Praise the Lord. How many of you glad you can go in? Can I get an amen there? Boy, that's great. And I'm glad you don't have to be a prophet or a martyr or any special Christian. You just go in the same way that everybody goes in through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was a great song service. And I want to say I enjoyed listening to your singing as well. I love to hear the song, The Power of the Cross. I love to hear young people sing it. It's a great song. I appreciate uh, how you sang it to the Lord. That was a real blessing to me. And so I appreciate that. How many are glad to be at Kobiak? Can I get an amen, please? Okay, y'all were beginning to scare me up there. The song leader was saying amen and kind of getting excited. Y'all were just kind of stoically looking at him like, you know, you've been playing Pokemon all day or something. Hey. Hey, man, we, we say amen at church, okay? And so, I, you know, that's the way we do it. Now, you may notice I'm not from Michigan, okay? I didn't, I didn't grow up in Michigan. I don't talk like somebody from Michigan. And so y'all going to have to get with me this week, okay? I could, I could conform to you, but I can't do that. It's just impossible. And so you have to get with me, okay? That's how we have to do it. And so where I come from, down in the south, and in in, in where rednecks are and hillbilly people are, People, they say amen in church, okay? So, if, I mean, if you don't, then you're going to be here a whole long time, okay? Because if you don't say amen to me, then I don't think you're getting it. I think you're playing on your cell phone or something, and we're going to have to back up and, and do it all over again. So we don't want to do that, right? There you go. See, it's not that hard. Some of you are like, man, I want to play basketball later, so I better say this. That's okay. But if you, if you enjoy the service, if you're enjoying a song, that's the, that's the Christian word. That's what we say when we're excited. It's like cheering at a football game. Like, amen, that's right. We believe that. That's good. And so we're all excited about being here in the services, no doubt. And so I want to encourage you to, uh, I, I'm one of those preachers that when I preach, people, you have to talk back to me. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of a, um, it's not just a one-dimensional communication here. It's, I mean, we're going to talk, okay? We're going to do lots of talking during the service. So i got to ask this question real quick. How many of you, this is the first service you've ever been in that I've preached at? How many of you are like that? Okay, that's most of you, and that's great. And I'm looking forward to making some new friends this week, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome, uh, just absolutely awesome week. So where are the seventh graders at? Where are you at? Can you raise your hand? You're in seventh grade. Let's not make this too complicated. Let's talk about what grade you're going into, okay? Because some of y'all are like, what are you talking about last summer? No, the one that like you're getting ready to start, okay? Let's go there. Seventh graders, are you with me here? Okay, how about eighth graders? Get ready to start the eighth grade, okay? Great, all right? Ninth grade, you're going into ninth grade, getting ready to start, okay? Tenth grade, where are you at? Tenth grade, the tenth graders. Great, eleventh grade. Yeah! yeah. Yes, I like you guys. I'm glad you sit on the front the whole time. Is that how y'all do that? Or do you rotate? Oh, oh, right here, right here. Me and you too, right there. Great. Seniors, class of 2017, right? As long as you pass all your classes. And uh, is there anybody that just graduated high school? Anybody? Good job. Congratulations. It's a great day of life. Anytime you get out of school, right? It's an awesome day. And how about this? Where are the dropouts at? Where are you at? Right? That's right. Hey, look, it's all good. Hey, Jesus loves everybody, okay? And look, we, we don't discriminate here, man. You can be dumb as a box of rocks, and we love you here at camp, okay? So it's all good, man. 
That's great. Is there anybody, anybody here from a, like lower than like Indiana? Anybody? Because I didn't see that part. I, I just got here. So uh, you in the back, you're from below Indiana. Where are you from? What? Oh, Muncie. So, so you're not from below Indiana. That's cool. Hey, whatever, man. It's all good. What, you know, however you interpret the, you know, the question, uh, that's great. What, where are you from? You're from North Carolina. That is awesome. Where are you from? South Carolina, right. How about you over there? Florida. That's fantastic. I mean, how great. This is great. And, and, and Muncie, that was a trick question, man. I wasn't trying to throw you under the bus there. But you're not from below Indiana. You're from Indiana. So it's all good. I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to Genesis chapter 1. While you're turning there, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself and, and about how I want the week to go and how I'd like you to uh, consider me and, and how this, this works. I love... Uh, preaching at teen camp it's it's my absolute favorite time of the year to be able to speak at camp i love it uh i was able to work at a christian camp for about six years uh in louisiana and of course uh preach at camps all throughout the summer and i want you to i want you to seriously consider me as the speaker to be available to you throughout the week if you need anything if i could if i could pray with you about something or if you had a question maybe about something in the message Maybe you wanted to maybe get a piece of advice about something. It would not bother me at all. In fact, I would love it uh, to sit down and talk with you and, and see what's going on in your life. And if there was ever any way that I could help you with anything this week other than just the services, uh, I would certainly want you to know uh, that I would be uh, love to do that. Uh, I, I want you to know that when I, when I, I, I come to a camp like this, it, there are so many mixed emotions for me preaching at a teen camp. Uh, number one, there, there's a lot of issues and a lot of problems, I think, that, that you're facing. And, and many of you, no doubt, but without even getting into the week, without even bringing up any issues, there are people in the room that you're facing some real, real challenging things and are going through some real difficult things and, and, and need, need some help, really, some of you. But then, on the, on the other side of it, because we're going to be here, we're going to be learning from the Bible, and because we believe in God, there's great hope for you. And there's a great possibility that God could do something really great in our country through you. I mean, if you think about it, I don't, I don't know, I didn't get a count for how many kids are here. I mean, there's at least a couple hundred of us here. The truth of the matter is, if 200 or 300, how many ever people there are here, would be totally right with the Lord and totally surrendered to what he wanted for their life and totally following God with their life, I mean, would that not be extraordinary what God could do with you. And so the possibilities for your life are very real. What God could do, the future that, that he could lay out for you is very, very real and very possible. And so all I ask for you to do this week is just take advantage of listening to the word of God. Just, just get your heart, listen to the Bible. Uh, I make a promise, I'm just going to preach the Bible. I don't, I don't know any other way to do it. I don't know how to do it. I'm not trying to be overly funny or, or just tell a bunch of stories. Really, I believe that your hope is in the Word of God. That's where I believe it is. And so that's what I'm going to do. Somebody probably could have said amen right there. That, would have been a, that, that right there would have been a good moment to interject one, okay? So uh, I believe that the holy God, the sovereign God of the universe has a way of intersecting with your life when somebody opens up the Bible and preaches it. And I believe, I believe that's the way God does it. And so that's what we're going to do every night and in the morning chapels, and it's going to be great. I wish my family was here. I'm, I'm married. In fact, I'll be married for 14 years uh, next week to Angela. 
And we have two kids, uh, Adriana, she's eight, and my son is three, and they're all in Georgia right now, and we'll be going to Florida next week, and, uh, and we just keep on traveling. We're having a great time, and so if you want to see some pictures of my beautiful family, you, by all means, you come up, and uh, I'd love to show them to you because I like to brag on them, okay? All right, you ready now? Everybody ready? Has everybody found Genesis 1? I know that was probably the hardest thing I was going to have you do all week, okay? All right, Genesis chapter 1. Let's go ahead and stand, would you please? Genesis chapter number 1. And I'm only going to, right now, read the last verse of the chapter. So if you flip back, uh, maybe, maybe a page. It might be on your first page, depending on how, how big the font is on your Bible there. But uh, mine's on the second page, so it's the last verse of the first chapter of the Bible, the book of Genesis, okay? And I want you to look at the very last verse, verse number 31, and I want you to listen as I read, okay? Now, if I pause in reading, it means I want you to interject the next word, okay? Can we practice that real quick? Is that, is that okay? Let's practice that. And God saw, oh, it is, I know, they split the words up. That was good. Some of y'all just said every. <laughs> it's two words, okay. And that was a bad place to stop. I get it, okay. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very, oh, man. You guys, I like it. This is going really well right now, okay? Nice shirts, too, by the way. You guys, where are you guys from? Okay, I like them. It. It's great, okay? Let's go back and do it one more time. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Now, I want to speak to you tonight on this subject. It's all good. It's all good. Good. God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. Now, I recognize that Genesis chapter 1 is a text of scripture that teaches us about the direct act of God in creation. Yet, and I'm going to show you this in a minute, there is something here also in Genesis chapter 1, the book of origins, in the very first chapter, that God shows us something about life, about how it works. And I want you to learn that tonight. And so the title again is It's All Good. I'm going to pray and uh, then I'll ask you to be seated. We'll get started, okay? Lord, uh, thank you tonight. You've been awfully good to us to let us be here. Lord, we rejoice in, uh, Lord, life. We rejoice in health. We rejoice in friends. We rejoice in our churches. All the good things that you've done for us, we're grateful. And so, Lord, now I pray that as we come together and as we sit under your word tonight, that you will empower it, that you will use it. Lord, I quickly recognize that I uh, am in no way capable of really helping anyone, and I personally have no power to change anyone. And so, Lord, tonight I hide myself in the calling to declare the word of God and completely trust tonight that you will take your word and use it. Although I am unworthy, I pray that you will use your word and you will do your work and that you will all get all the glory for anything that is done this week is our prayer. We pray it in Christ's name, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate that so much. I was preaching at a meeting uh, not too many years ago in the state of Wyoming. It was a, it was a winter meeting. It was a, a, a ski retreat, actually, and a number of youth groups were coming together for a service one day, and then the next day they had the ski slopes reserved and they were going to ski all day and so they invited me to be the speaker and I was of course honored to go. I, a couple of weeks before I went I, I got a message over social media and it was from somebody 
that I really didn't recognize very well. In fact, I, usually when I see somebody online, I, maybe I can remember, okay, I saw them at camp, or, or maybe I met them here, maybe I was at their church, but I mean, I saw this guy's name, his name was Jeremy, he sent me a message and said, hey, Brian, I'm looking forward to seeing you again next week, and, and man, I mean, I looked at his picture, I looked at his profile, I just, I had no idea who he was, it was kind of puzzling to me, and so, of course, over the next couple weeks, I was really anticipating seeing Jeremy. Sure enough, I flew up there that day. I preached at a church uh, on that weekend that I stayed over for Monday and Tuesday for the ski retreat. And I showed up at the ski lodge. They actually, the, the lodge of the ski resort was where we had the service that night. And so I, I walked in and I, I was greeting people as they came. And, and, and I was, I was kind of watching the whole time out of the corner of my eye, kind of hoping that I would catch Jeremy and see him. And sure enough, a few minutes uh, after I got there, uh, he came up the stairs to the lodge, and there were probably five or six teenagers with him. And he, he, he walked around, and I kind of immediately caught his eye. He walked over to me, and, and I said, hey, Jeremy, man, I got your message the other day. I've really been looking forward to seeing you and talking to you. I said, but I, I got to be honest with you. Man, I was, I, was, I was looking at your photos. I, man, I do not remember meeting you. I said, I said, tell me. He said, and he stopped me right there, and he said, he said actually, we never met. He said, but I was in a service in Wisconsin a number of years ago that you preached at, and he described the event that I preached at, and I remembered the event. In fact, it was over in, in, in northern Wisconsin. It was a, a large youth rally with a, a, a gymnasium much bigger than this one. And In fact, they had, the, they had bleachers in this gymnasium, and the bleachers were pulled down, filled up with kids. All the whole floor of the basketball court was filled with kids. I think there was about 1,000 kids at this particular rally. He said, Brian, you, you never met me. He said, but, but, but I came that day. When I came there, my heart was nowhere near being walking with the Lord and doing what God wanted me to do with my life. He said, in fact, I, I had just been released from the military. He said, I, when I got out of the military, I went back to my hometown here in northern Michigan. And he said, I, I got back home and, and I, I really didn't know what I was doing with my life. He said, but I, but I started feeling real guilty about the way I was living, the things that I was doing. And he said, all of a sudden, it just hit me, I need to go to church. He said, so, so when I was a kid, I used to ride a bus to a church in town. And he said, I looked it up, found it again. And he said, I went back to that church I went to when I was a kid. And he said, man, really, I was only going, I didn't want to go. He said, but I was really going because I kind of felt like I should go. And he said, but when I got there, he said, I, I found that there was a really, really good-looking girl in the church. And, 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 he, and he started laughing, and, he, and I kind of laughed too. And he said, he said, no, I'm serious. He said, I started going to everything the church did because there was this really, really good-looking girl in the church. And I found out that she was the pastor's daughter. And then I realized there was no way this girl was ever going to pay me any attention whatsoever unless I was going to church and unless I was involved in churches. He said, so that was my motivation. He said, then I found out that his daughter helped out with the youth ministry. And so I like started showing up at all the youth activities. He said, one Sunday morning, the pastor said to the congregation, he said, we had a bus driver to go to a youth activity next weekend. The bus driver can't go now. We need somebody to drive the church van over to Wisconsin for a meeting. And he said, man, as soon as the service was over, I made a beeline for the pastor. He said, pastor, I'll drive the church van this weekend to go to, Michigan, uh, to, go to Wisconsin and, and be at the youth rally. He said, all I wanted to do was ride with the pastor's daughter from Michigan to Wisconsin. 
And I mean, I'm, I'm like, this guy's crazy. And he said, he said, sure enough, I did. He said, I showed up real early Saturday morning. He said, we piled in. The girl was there. I was excited. We drove over to Wisconsin. We showed up that day, and we sat in that auditorium that you preached in, way in the back. I mean, about as far away as we could be, and about as high up on the bleachers as we could go. And he said, man, I had no interest in what was going on whatsoever. He said, but I'll tell you this. When the word of God started being preached, he said, God started doing something in my heart. He said, man, I can't explain it, but I knew that that message was not for those teenagers. That message was for me. If I was the only person in the entire world at that time, I know that God had that message for me. He said, Brian, I want you to know that that day after you preached, we never met. He said, but I want you to know, while the kids were coming forward to make decisions, he said, I turned around in my bleacher seat. He said, I buried my knees in those cold bleachers. He said, I bowed my head before God, and I got my heart right with God, and I made commitments to serve God with my life. And he looked right in my eyes. He said, I want you to know, I have never been the same since. And he said, and to tell you the truth, I went back and I started serving God. I, I made a, a public acknowledgement of my dedication to the Lord. He said, I was serious about the Lord. He said, I started going to uh, uh, institute classes at our church. He said, before too long, I, I really sensed that God wanted me to preach. He said, then I got married and then he just smiled real big. I said, no way. He said, sure enough. He said, I married the preacher's daughter. He said, and then I went through Bible Institute. He said, and now, about two years ago, God called me from Michigan uh, all the way over to Wyoming to take a little tiny church in Douglas, Wyoming, and he started telling me all the stories about what God was doing. Oh, the service was about to start, and we didn't have time to finish our conversation, but later that night after the service, me and Jeremy spent about three hours talking about all that God was doing in his life about all the people's lives that had been changed in Wyoming, about how God was blessing his family and how God was changing his life and using him in a great way. And folks, the bottom line is this. There are stories like Jeremy's all over the world of people who follow the will of God for their life and they embrace and they experience the good life that God has available to them. A young person, I want you to know that there is a way, listen to me, there is a way to live your life in which God can uniquely and specially bless your life in a very good way. And by the way, there is a way also to live your life against the will of God and outside of the will of God where it will not be blessed and it will in fact be bad. In fact, the New Testament emphasizes this when it says in John chapter 10, I have come to give you life and to give it more abundantly. Listen to me. Young person, God did not just get involved in your life to give you salvation in heaven. He got involved in your life to change your life and to give you the abundant life here on this earth while you're living. In fact, Peter says it this way. You can see uh, experience good life and see good days. Now, young person, it's very clear to me that the Bible has a way that you can follow Christ, that you can live for him and experience just what you would want out of this life. Now, I want to tell you right now, there is not a person in this room that when you were to, if you were to forecast your life right now, 
If you were to think, what do I want to be when I am, when I am 30 years old? What, what kind of marriage do I want to have? What kind of family do I want to raise? What kind of life do I want to be living? Not, not when I'm a teenager, but 10 years from now, 20 years from now. What do I want to be doing with my life? I will tell you this right now. Every single one of you would want to venture out into this life that you are living with the blessing of God and God pouring out his goodness and favor on what you're doing. There's not a person in this room that wants to live the next 15 or 20 years outside of the will of God and live through that fiasco of what it's like to be a middle-aged man or woman who has not been living for God. Nobody in this room wants that. So what I want to suggest to you this week at camp is that you should choose the life that when you, it is all said and done, you will be able to look back and say, you know what, it may have not been easy, it may have not always been fun, but I can tell you this, it was all good. All good. And then we go to Genesis chapter 1 and guess what happens? God shows us how it works. Now, I'm going to make some statements here, and then we're going to dive into them real quick. But I want to make three statements here at the beginning about this chapter. And there's so much I could say about Genesis chapter 1, but I just want to focus on what I'm trying to get across to you today. There is no doubt in my mind that one of the major and often overlooked messages of Genesis chapter 1 is that when God got involved in creation and God said something and it happened, the end result was this, it was good. Now, I want you to see this in Genesis chapter 1 and notice please verse 3. And God said, let there be light and there was light. Verse 4. And God saw the light that it was what? Come on, I lost y'all that it was what? Okay, look at verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And look at the end of verse 7. And it was so. So God said it, it was so. Look at verse 9. Look at the first three words of verse 9. And God what? Come on, and God what? Right, look at the end of verse 9. It was what? And God what? Said, and it was what? Look at the last three words of verse 10. It was what? Okay, so let's put them together. And God, it was, it was, come on, y'all get with me now. And God, it was, it was, very good. Look at verse number, uh, verse number uh, uh, 14. First three words again. And God, what? Look at verse 15, last three words. What are they? It was, look at verse 18, last three words. It was. Oh, I like it. Look at verse 24. And God, come on, and God. Last, ver- last three words of verse 24, it was. Right, and look at the end of verse 25, that it was. Okay, now young person, listen, I am not claiming to be some kind of biblical scholar or genius here, but I know enough about the Bible to know this, that when something is repeated like that over and over and over and over and over again, listen to me, God's trying to tell us something. Are you with me? When God says this happened over and over and over again, and the result of it all was that it was good. Hey, listen, Genesis 1, of course, is about creation, but it's about more than just creation. It's about what happens when God says something and it happens, the end result of it is good. Now, young person, here's what I want to share with you tonight. Genesis chapter 1 reveals for us three things that every young person needs to know in order for them to experience the blessing of God in their life, okay? So let me give you the three statements that we're going to dive in. Number one, number one, you need to know who God is. Number two, you need to know 
who you are. Number three, you need to know how life works. It's very simple. You need to know who God is. You need to know who you are. And you need to know how life works. And when you understand and you live those three statements, young person, it's going to be all good. So let's start number one with this truth. You need to know who God is. Look at verse number one, if you will, where the Bible says these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The heaven and the earth. Now, the Bible teaches us in this one verse two powerful things about God. Number one, it tells us this, that God is powerful. Now, notice the verse again, in the beginning, and I could spend a lot of time on this, but I want you to know that that is a statement of God's pre-existence or his eternality. In other words, God always has been. Listen, young person, nobody created God. God is the creator of all things. Therefore, he is the beginning. He is the origin. He is the foundation of everything. And he existed before and forever before anything else ever was created. The second thing I want you to see in this verse is this. Not only did God has eternally existed, but the Bible says this. God powerfully created the world that you and I live in. Now, I do not know that I could share with you or demonstrate for you a more powerful statement of how big and awesome and strong and mighty God is than to tell you, listen to me, that God took nothing and created everything and created it marvelously and beautifully and wonderfully just like you and I see it like the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork what I am telling you young person is this that on the first verse of the first page of the Bible. Here's what God wants you to remember. He wants you to know that he is big, that he is powerful, that he is mighty, and there is nothing that he cannot do. Now, let me tell you something, young person. That's something worth living for. That's something worth understanding. My friend, that's something that will transform your prayer life. That is something that will transform your faith life. That is something that will transform your dependency on God. I am telling you that you young people have got to believe that God is a powerful God. But not only that, he's a personal God. Because in Genesis chapter 1, it's not only about the creating of the universe, it's also about his specific creation of mankind, about the personal relationship that he developed with Adam and Eve, the first created people. And in this, this relationship that God had with Adam and Eve, it tells us that he was very personal with them, that he walked with them. And not only that, that even when they failed him, listen to me, even when they sinned against him, he immediately made a provision for that relationship to be destroyed, uh, restored. A young person, I want to tell you, that's how much God loves you. That's how personal God is with you. That he wants to walk with you. He wants to know you. And that when something doesn't go right between you and him, there is an immediate provision for that relationship to be restored. And in Genesis chapter 3, it tells us that it all points to the cross of Christ that shows us how personal God wants to be with you. Do you realize that, young person? Do you realize that God wants to know you? He loves you. He loves you so much that even when you were a sinner, guess what? He was willing to die just so that he could have a relationship with you. That's 
how personal God is. Now my question to you at the outset of this week of camp is simply this. Do you know God personally? Do you have a personal relationship with God? I didn't ask you, do you go to church? I didn't ask you, are you in a youth group? I did not ask you, do you know people who know God? I asked you, do you know God? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Is your relationship with God real? Is it known? Is it something that you have? Or are you just here? I, I grew up in a family that, for the most part, are Christians, for the most part. Uh, my mom and dad were both saved uh, as children. Uh, most of my aunts and uncles are saved. Most of my, mom, my mom's side of the family in particular, even the cousins and the extended family, many of them have become Christians and followers of Jesus. My mom is the sixth of six children and the only one out of the entire family that we know of that did not accept Jesus Christ personally was my uncle Steve, who was the oldest son, or excuse me, the second oldest son of the family. Steve was a, a man who uh, basically lived his whole life as an alcoholic. He, he, uh, he, he struggled with, with the faith of his mom and dad. He struggled uh, with the fact that how, of how good they were and how faithful they were. In fact, many times when we'd try to witness to him, he would always go back to that statement, I'll never be what mom and dad were. And we tried many times. I mean, we tried. We, we told him, Steve, this has nothing to do with how good you are or how good your, your mom and dad were. This has everything to do with the forgiveness and the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he did for you. But he never did, he never did accept it. In fact, he sat by the bedside. He was the person who sat by the bedside of my grandmother and my grandfather as they drew their last breath and went into eternity. My mom, who was... Uh, there told me that in the days leading up to my grandparents death both of my grandparents tried with their last dying hours to win to win Steve to the Lord that, that they would squeeze his hand and say Steve you're the only one of our children that are not saved please promise me that you will become a Christian please promise me that you will make your relationship with God personal in fact when my grandmother died he looked right at her and said I'll do that before I die about two years after that, my grandfather went to heaven. They both died of cancer. In fact, they both died in the same room, laying in the same bed, both with their son, Steve, right beside of them. Steve, again, with my grandfather's hand in his hand, once again, my grandfather, looking at him, dying of cancer, squeezed his hand and said, Steve, two years ago in this room, you told your mother that you would be a Christian, that you would follow Christ, that you would accept Jesus, and you haven't done that yet. And Steve, I don't have much longer to live. Please promise me you will be saved. And in tears, he looked at his dad and said, I promise you, I will be saved. It wasn't just a few years after that that Steve was unreachable for about two days on the telephone. My mother and one of her siblings had gone to the house where Steve lived and when they walked into his living room, they found him dead, surrounded by empty liquor bottles in a fetal position on the floor in his living room. Just shortly after his funeral, I was back home and I was uh, with his older brother, Jerry, my uncle Jerry, and I was driving to a store with him to pick up something. And I just asked him, I said, how you doing, Jerry? How's it, how's it been going uh, in your family and in your life? And he said, Brian, I cannot describe to you how hard it is for us to be a Christian family and to not know for sure whether Uncle Steve knew Christ personally. He said, you know what? When I walked in and found him dead, when I walked into that living room and I saw him, listen to me, he said, I saw him in a fetal position, doubled over, 
around all those liquor bottles. He said, my heart wanted to believe that maybe he knew that he was getting ready to die and maybe he just slipped down to his knees and maybe called out to God for mercy and salvation in the 11th hour. He looked right at me and said, but I got to tell you, I do not know that why because he never was able to give us a witness. He never made that decision public before us. And he said, it's really sad to know, Brian, that the mom and the dad and all the brothers and sisters and many of our children are saved and we know we're going to heaven and we know mom and dad are going to heaven, but we do not know if Steve is there. Now listen very carefully. Steve never made it personal. Everybody around him was a Christian. Everybody around him was a witness to their Christianity but he never accepted it for himself. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever accepted it for yourself? Have you ever personally received Jesus Christ as your Savior? This God is powerful, but this God is personal, and you need to know him. Number two, you need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. Go down, if you will, to the chapter number one, and look, please, at verse number 26. The Bible says in chapter one, in verse number 26, it says these words. And God said, let us make man in our own image, in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, excuse me, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now, young person, in addition to God showing us who he is, God also shows us who we are. And in these two verses, it tells us two things about us. Number one, God definitely made you. And young person, I want you to look at me and I want you to draw some encouragement tonight. Look at me. God created you. Young person, listen to me. You are not an accident. There is not a person in this room, I don't care how rough your family is, I don't care how backward, how messed up your story is, I don't care how, how, how embarrassed you might even feel or be about the, the, the way that your family is or the way your circumstances of life, but listen to me, if God gave you life and God breathed into your nostrils the breath of life and God has given you the life that he's given you, that is because he created you distinctively and on purpose, and listen to me young person, if you're here today, you are not an accident and God has has a plan for your life he definitely does he definitely made you but number two he distinctively made you he distinctively made you now you got to listen to this it says male and female created he them now look at me I'm not I'm not getting ready to make some backhanded sarcastic comment here I want you to listen very carefully I want you to listen very carefully you guys need to hear what I'm getting ready to say right now your world is messed up and here's the problem with many of you even though you're in Christian homes predominantly and around Christian groups you are heavily influenced by the society around you whether you realize it or not and there are people in our society that are trying to cram down your throats right now that there is no distinction whatsoever between male and female. And I just want to tell you, folks, when you go down the road of rejecting God's will and plan and word for your life, you are heading down a path of confusion. You're heading down a path of destruction. And there is no positive in there. I want you to listen very carefully. God distinctively made you. 
And if you are a young lady in this room, you will never have peace. You will never have joy. You will never be able to fulfill the will of God for your life until you embrace that call, you embrace that identity, and stop trying to run from it. Yes, this applies to gender identity. This applies to our sexuality. It applies to so many things I could go to tonight. But I just want to tell you that the Bible is very clear that when people begin to reject God, they leave their natural identities and they go after things that are not honoring to God. And I want to tell you, young person, there is no mistake about it that if you are a man in this room, God created you a man. If you are a woman in this room, God created you as a woman. And until you embrace that and you follow God, with that you are going to head down a road of absolute confusion and absolute uncertainty and absolute disappointment and that's exactly what happens to anybody in any area that defies God's plan for their life anybody now I'm telling you I've been in camp all summer and I cannot even believe the amount of young people that I'm meeting that are that are expressing with honesty their struggle with their identity because of the culture they're in Young person, listen to me. God has an answer for you and God has a plan for you and you can get help this week if you want it. I can't believe the number of people that I meet even in Christian homes that are, that, are, that are experimenting and struggling with homosexuality and those kinds of issues that all come when you do not embrace who you are and you do not embrace God's plan for your life. And I'm going to tell you straight up this week, I'm going to hit it right between the eyes because I have chosen, like many of you have chosen, to follow God's side on the issue. And God's side is found in his word. And I'm not preaching right now to get amens from people. I'm preaching to try to help you understand something that you have got to embrace who God created you to be you have to embrace that and if you don't it's never going to be all good with you never number one you need to know who God is number two you need to know who you are number three and I'm done you need to know how life works now I'm gonna be very quick here because I've already summarized it but let me just finish by saying this you need to know how life works how does life work let me make it clear God says it you do it and it's good. Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? God said it. You do it. And it's good. So let me flip it on you. If God says it and you don't do it, guess what? It's not going to be good. Young person, we have a guidebook for life. Do you realize in your lap right there, you have the very words of the living God that speak to you when you open them, when you read them, when they are preached to you. And as I'm preaching to so many young people, uh, every summer of my life, I am finding that many of you that are going to, uh, growing up in Christian homes and going to Christian schools, and you've kind of grown up around this all your life, I'm telling you that sometimes we forget how powerful, how wonderful, listen to me, what a privilege it is to have the word of God speak to our lives it's scary it's scary to be a teenager that gets used to God speaking to you it's scary to be a teenager that doesn't understand the value of the Bible doesn't understand the value of God speaking to your life hey let me ask you this question when is the last time distinctively in your heart you remember God spoke to me I mean, his word spoke to my heart. When's the last time you were hungry for God to speak to your heart? When's the last time you came to camp or a youth activity or a youth rally or a conference and, and your whole desire of coming to it was, man, I want to hear something from God. 
Well, young person, whether that is your passion or not, listen to me. You need to hear from God. And you need to hear from God. And then when God speaks to you, you need to do what God says. And I was at a, a, a high school, Christian high school, a few years ago in Wilson, North Carolina. And it was just honestly, it was one of the most discouraging couple of days of preaching at a Christian school I remember for a long time. I mean, the kids had, had zero little interest whatsoever in the preaching. And, and finally, finally, one of the services, I just pulled aside for a minute and said, guys, you know what? I want to be real honest with you. This has been pretty discouraging. You, some of you kids have grown up in this K through 12, and it's a sad thing that your familiarity with the Bible has caused you to lose interest in the Bible. That's where some of you are right now. Some of you guys, it's, it, I sound like Charlie Brown's teacher to you right now. That's what you are. Guy starts preaching, you're gone. You're basketball, you're playing video games, you're gone. You have no interest in this whatsoever. And what I'm trying to tell you is you better tune back into God this week. I got done preaching and a woman walked up to me and she said, Brother Sam, that is so true. She said, these kids don't have much interest in the Bible. She said, you know what? My husband is also a pastor of a little country church not too far from here. She said, something happened just a couple weeks ago in our church. It was so precious. She said, a young couple in our church adopted a set of four siblings from Eastern Europe. He said, they were in, a, they were in like a foster home. And I think they started at age 10 and went down to like age 3. She said, and just, just two weeks ago, they flew over to Europe and picked the kids up and brought them back home. They had their rooms all set up in America. I mean, their first family in years. She said, when they got there in their rooms, they all walked to their own bedroom here in North Carolina. He said, they walked in their rooms, they set their bags down, and each one of them had a present on their bed. She said, each of the kids walked up to the bed, they, un, they, un, they unpackaged the present, they tore the ribbon off, they opened up the box, and each one of them had a Bible with their first and their new last name etched on their Bible. She started tearing up. She looked at me and said, Brian, I'm not kidding you. The mom and dad come to church and say, every night, every night, those kids go to bed, they got a stuffed animal in one arm and their Bible in their other arm. She said they won't go anywhere without their Bible. They won't set their Bible down. They won't go to bed without their Bible. They read it all the time. It's the first Bible they've ever had. It's the first, and they love it, and they're so excited about it, and they can't believe that that's the first present they actually got. Some of you, if you got a Bible for Christmas this year, you'd look at your parents and roll your eyes like, oh my goodness, really? Like I wanted a cell phone, and you got me this? But it's true, isn't it? And you can look like all you want to, like I don't know what I'm talking about, but let me tell you something, friend. There ought to be in your heart a passion and a heartbeat to hear and study and know the word of God and to say, you know what, I'm going to live my life based upon that book. And when God says something to me, I'm going to do it because I believe this, that if God says it and I do it, it's going to be good. Listen to me, young person. I can take every area of life and throw this equation in there. And if we would live this in every area of life, it would be good. For instance, God says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Guess what? If you do that, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be saved. And guess what? That's good. Good night. If I were to apply this to dating, if I were to apply this to relationships, and you were to take God's word and 
analyze what it says and believe that I'm only going to marry somebody that's a believer that loves God and that I've prayed about and I've followed leadership of, 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 uh, of authorities in my life. And I'm not going to do it outside of that. Guess what? You're going to marry the right person and you're going to have a godly family. And guess what's going to happen? It's going to be good. If you don't do that, it's not going to work out well. This week, God might speak to your heart about some sin that you're dealing with. Listen, if you get rid of it, you confess it and forsake it, you shall obtain mercy. And guess what? That's good. If you don't, you won't prosper. And guess what? That's bad. Now, young person, this is not rocket science. It's real simple. What I'm asking you tonight is this. Would you not be willing to take God at his word and say this? You know what? That's what I want with my life, right? I want that good life. I want to sit at the end of it all and say, you know what? It's all good. God has blessed me. I have been used by him. It has been a wonderful experience. Why? Simply this. God said it. I did it. It was good. I invite you this week to consider that, if you will. Let's bow for prayer, please, if you would.